in the prime of life, says me, far as I be knowin'. Having time to snack around in comfort all the year. So when we get a little time before our boat gets going, we head on down to the library and this is what we hear. Come, Come on in, and look all around, around. There's, there's plenty forward to see. Make your own self right upon my love, the library. Conversations, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. Today, I had the pleasure of talking with Miss Polly Lee about an art show that she is going to have at the Public Library. It will be on display November 2nd through the 22nd, and it is um, called Stoneware Pots by Polly Lee, 1955 to 2005. Um, so 50 years worth of work will be on display at the Petersburg Public Library of Polly Lee's Pottery. So please stop by to see that. And this was a discussion that I had with Polly about the pots that are going to be on display. My name is Polly Lee, and I... I uh, have been working with ceramics as well as painting, but ceramics for many, many years. And uh, I started with some local clay, 
being curious about it. And my husband went with me, and we went down to what we in Petersburg call the cut. The cut, and we it was freshly cut through at that time when they were making the road just to out to the out, out the big dip. Yeah, and okay. anyway, then we came home, and he helped me process the clay. And at that time, I had a homemade wheel, and. Uh, I made some uh, a very homely little brown, deep brown pot, uh, deep from the uh, color that was in naturally in the clay, yeah. and uh, so from there I didn't. I found out that that clay, after uh, reading and uh, and. Uh, uh, looking at the details of the clay, that it didn't really have very much uh, elasticity to it. Okay. So, but I made several little tiny small things, you know, ca- a candle holder and a little vase, and so which which are downstairs, by the way. At any rate, uh, there will be about twenty twenty large pieces at the library of uh, stoneware, pottery, and that clay would not be local clay, but it would be clay that I bought from potteries down below who specially uh, specialized in lo- in making uh, stoneware pottery. And uh, as it turns out that uh, working with making large pots is absolutely wonderful because you have the opportunity of using the clay in different forms, in slab form, in coil form, in uh, the drop method, which stretches the clay in an interesting way. And, and, yeah, with the... Also, you can throw on the wheel. Is that the drop method? Oh, the throwing it on the wheel. But now, most of these that I want to display are hand-built. Are hand-built. What's the difference between the drop method and the wheel? Well, when you drop method, uh, the wheel you throw on the, you throw on a turning wheel with a mass of clay, and you squeeze the clay from inside out and up. And uh, with the um, drop method, you drop it on the floor on a prepared surface on the floor, and the clay falls down and spreads out and creates a whole different design. Okay. You you make a mark on it, and then, and then the, if it falls, it splats out, and it makes a whole different design. It's lovely. It's just okay. fun to make work with. And uh, there are lots of different little techniques you could use. Uh, with um, You could pull uh, with water and... and uh, Squeeze your hand together and give the hair a clay a pull to make a handle, and or to it's just lots of different ways, and uh, you have to almost take a class to learn about it. Yeah. If you are just joining us, this is Homegrown Conversations, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. I'm Kari Peterson. And today I'm talking with Polly Lee about an upcoming show she has planned at the public library. The show is titled Stoneware Pots by Polly Lee, 1955 to 2005. 
and Polly took me into her studio to show me the pieces she had selected for her show. So these are the original pieces from the... Those were, those were from local clay. From the Big yeah. From the Big Dip. That's local clay. That's before I gave up on local clay. Oh, those are beautiful, though. I love the color. That's the natural yeah. color. And that's from the dip. Oh, I love that. It says Lee. <laughs> and I like that it's been well used. The other day... Somebody sent me downstairs to pick three pieces that I liked the very best. And I spent quite a bit of time down here. Did you find the pieces you liked the best? <laughs> I couldn't do it. Um, okay. These are going to be in this show, and possibly, maybe, probably these two. Okay. And so, what and made you choose these to show? Huh? What made you choose these out of all of your works to show? The size and age. Okay. Yes, because these are all big pots. Of course, pots. a lot of them have been given away, you know, over yeah. the years. So, but this is a funny one. Here with this is a one part, two part one. This seventeen. This is a Wall Street couple <laughs> out for a walk on a rainy and a windy day. Oh, I love the, the tie and the scarf. You can see yes. that they couldn't be separated. Right? This shows itself as a scarf better when it doesn't have the tags on it. Oh, yeah. I, this piece is gorgeous. I, I guess I'm really drawn to this design around yeah, yeah. the edge. See, this is where it's slab rolling and then overlapping... Yes, those are the slab rolls. Is this a slab roll also? This is Ann Carson Lee. Uh, <laughs> wanted to do some work that some wrapping, some vine wrapping. Okay. We had a show together years ago. Oh, okay. Into the forest and they collaborated. So, <clears throat> wow. That's a nice big piece. I love the texture on this one. So you must have thrown this pot and just then roll covered out it. Slabs and just pick it up a piece of clay and roll it out and then fit it together. This thrown. Yeah, with a little thrown, thrown, teeny thrown. Oh, this just, it was just a small throw. Just uh -huh. the opening was the throw on it. Yeah. Okay. I consider that a real prize. Tell it's us about a, this prize. It's pressed into a whale's disc. Oh, wow. Two slabs, and then with a little space between to make it a flat. This was a... Oh, that's incredible, Polly. So that a is a whale's disc. That yeah. had a comment by quite an important person one time. This one over here, the tall one with the lid. 
piece oh, yeah. by piece by piece. Is that what? Is this done piece by piece? Did you, or is that it's one just, slab? Well, the clay gets kind of hard to work with. Well, then you um, use a different technique. <laughs> you know, you adjust. And so the clay was harder. Okay. So I cut off sections and fitted them together. Okay. So that clay was being difficult, but you created such a beautiful piece out of it. Yeah. Then they're more or less glazed or decorated some ways. So I'm I'm really intrigued by these pots that... Is this the same? Yeah, yeah. Where you yeah. only thrown the little mouthpiece? Yeah. <laughs> the little opening, and then the rest you put on? They look well with bouquets of, of um, grass, dried grasses. Yeah. Look nice down. Yeah. As Polly and her daughter Anne continued to show me her 50 years worth of work that she plans to display at the library, um, I learned that Polly earned her degree in ceramics from the University of New York when she was about 70 years old. And Polly has also recently turned 99, and she will be having this display at the public library. It's called Stoneware Pots by Polly Lee, 1955 to 2005. And I encourage you to come out and see it. It will be on display November 2nd through the 22nd, um, 2021. If you are just joining us, this is Homegrown Conversations, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. I'm Kari Peterson. For today's show, I have been talking with Polly Lee about her upcoming display at the Petersburg Public Library. It will be 50 years worth of stoneware works and it is called Stoneware Pots by Polly Lee 1955 to 2005 and um, I wanted to find a way to capture the history of these 50 years and I thought there's no way better than the listening project that Susan Christensen did with Polly back in 2010, where she talks about the 50 years and her work on the state art council and how the local arts council came to be and how her journey through beginning pottery and through those 50 years of pottery are all laid out so well in this listening project that I wanted to share it with you here today. So sit back and enjoy. This is Susan Christensen talking to Polly Lee about her career in art. My name is Pauline Lee, and I'm known as Polly Lee. My age is 87, and I'm, we're here in the library. Uh, and I'm with Susan Christensen, who is a lifelong friend. And I'm Susan Christensen, and my age is 57, uh, almost 58. We are in the Petersburg, actually we're in the 
City Council Conference Room. <laughs> and I'm with Polly Lee, who is my lifelong friend and mentor. And um, we want to talk a little bit about what um, Polly's memories of the arts in Alaska are. Um, but I want to back up just a little bit, Polly, and ask you, when did you move to Petersburg? What year? I moved here right after I graduated from nursing as an RN in 1946. And so did you work at the Petersburg Hospital when you first moved yes, here? Yes, I did. They and is that how you met your husband? No, I met my husband because he's the brother of uh, one of my good friends in my class at the hospital. And he came home from World War II from the South Pacific and uh, to visit his sister. And there I was, uh, <laughs> nabbed him real quick. <laughs> <laughs> so did you move to Petersburg with Elder? Um, well, he came up. No, I hadn't quite finished my my nursing uh -huh. and had six more months to go. And um, we got married in February, and I wasn't able to come up until September. I see. And he had to come up to go fishing. Uh-huh. So we weren't together that first six months of our marriage very much. Uh-huh. So you got to Petersburg, and um, you were working at the hospital. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then you had kids right away, or did you start your family a little later? Uh, our first daughter was born a year and a half after we were married. Mm -hmm. And um, then our next child was born uh, three and a half years after that. And our third child uh, was born 10 years after that. Mm -hmm. Well, I know that you and Ruth Sandvik um, were the... Petersburg Arts Council when I moved to Petersburg in the uh, late 70s. I guess I moved to Metcalf Island in 1979, and I remember my first memory of you was meeting you up at the old gym in the upstairs where the Petersburg Arts and Crafts Guild had a wonderful room, a studio room, and it was at an arts, an arts and Crafts Guild meeting. I'm not sure that it was the Arts Council. I think it was the Arts and Crafts Guild. But maybe talk a little bit to me about what, um, how did you and Ruth get that started, the Arts Council in Petersburg? Well, we have to back up a little bit Good. from the date you give me about your arrival. Uh -huh. Because um, uh, shortly after I came to Petersburg, uh, Elder and I went to San Diego for a winter when the economy in Petersburg was zilch, there was nothing going on, mm -hmm. and we went down there for six months. And I was determined I was going to learn uh, pottery. Uh -huh. And at the time, the arts and crafts movement across the whole country was just in full swing, and people were doing mold work and painting mold work and uh, scraping them and putting them together, and I was not interested in that at all. Mm -hmm. I wanted to get in up to my elbows in the clay. And so when we went to San Diego for that winter, and by then we had our first two children with us, and um, I, I was able to find a class in the basement of a fine arts building at Balboa Park. Mm -hmm. And to get there, I had to take a bus, two buses across town, a change bus right downtown. Uh -huh. We lived out on a, a beach. And then, uh, and I would pack this pottery in a, in a carrier <laughs> it makes me laugh to think about it, packing all that clay about uh -huh. half-finished pieces, hand-formed hand pieces, mm -hmm. and uh, pack them up and then to the class. And um, uh, it was absolutely a delightful class. I, it just was, I felt like I'd fallen into heaven. Uh -huh. And um, 
Then when we came home from San Diego that winter, um, uh, I was bereft without a, a kiln, and I was so interested in getting into um, uh, working with local clay because yeah. everyone knows there's lots of clay here, mm -hmm. and uh, but the clay is. Uh, so I headed into experimenting with that clay. An elder bought a kill for me when he went to sell fish in Seattle. Oh. And he went to a pottery and bought me a nice little electric kill. Mm -hmm. I used it for years. And uh, it fired up to, I think, cone 10, although I usually used it a little lower than that. But then we had to refine the clay. Mm -hmm. So that was the whole big story in itself. And a lot of people remember when the cut, what we call the cut out the road, was first put through, uh -huh. when the road went into the uh, uh, Blind Slough powerhouse. And um, so I was digging out there, digging clay, Elder and I together in buckets, and we'd take it home and, and try different ways, processing it wet and processing it dry. And mm -hmm. sometimes the basement would be full of clay fibers. <laughs> we'd try to pound this dry clay. And, well, we got enough to do samples, and by the time I... I was researching how you do samples to determine it. By the time I got, I spent about a year at this mm -hmm. with so much support from Elder. At any rate, I learned that the clay was not good by itself. It had to have several things added to it. Uh, it was not plastic. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't hold up. It would just, you, it would make a nice shape and then it would slump right away and not hold its shape like clay should. So it means you have to have a combination of clays to make a good body. Uh -huh. Well, anyway... I'm uh, getting off on that now. Uh, then it wasn't long before we had a, a group of people who were interested in uh, learning painting mm -hmm. and other art forms. And um, so we formed an arts and crafts club. And um, uh, we met in, it wasn't very formal arrangement. We had a chair, mm -hmm. we kept meetings, and we would um, uh, t teach each other a bit mm -hmm. before we got sophisticated enough to have little workshops and so on. Um, and was Helmy Jensen part of that group? Helmy was part of the group, mm -hmm. Ethel Bergman, uh -huh. um, Polly Parr. Really? Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. There were about seven or eight of us. Mm -hmm. And um, anyway, always, always an interesting and fun time. Uh -huh. And at one time, we were having the meeting in Helmy's living room, and uh, I looked around at our group, and we, every single one of us had been to the Louvre in Paris. In this little island, wow. I thought, isn't that uh -huh. something from this little town? Yeah. And, well, anyway, I was in good company. <laughs> so you were mentioning uh, the other day about a Petersburg Civic Improvements Group. Was this an offshoot of these artists that were meeting to learn from each other? Well, in it, yes, it was. Uh, when we came back from San Diego, I was all inspired because I had seen how they do things in the big city. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I got home, I was looking around and I saw how it was that the period in time when Petersburg, city of Petersburg, was changing over from plank walks uh -huh. everywhere in town, including Main Street. I think Main Street was already dirt when I came, but it had been plank just prior to that. Mm -hmm. And um, But then when the planks were jimmied up and they were just thrown to the side in piles and then they the fill was used for the roads was not really good fill at mm -hmm. all we didn't have crushed rock we didn't have that monofilament underlayment yeah. where they help contain it and or, or use large rocks on the bottom to make a good bed it was mainly just dirt fill 
So you can imagine in the oh, winter, every yeah. road was a mucky mess. Mm -hmm. And But anyway, the planks then were pitched across off at maybe um, crossroads. And uh, some of them were hauled away, but mostly they were just pitched over. Well, the, the spikes were poking up here and there. They were a hazard, you know. And there wasn't a lot of... Uh, now, all the people in Petersburg, you know, they had been living here for a long time with these nice, clean plank streets. Mm -hmm. And the transition to the dirt streets uh, did not carry with it a, a knowledge of a better way to... Well, we didn't have a rock crusher. It was, the town was... There were many reasons for this. Mm -hmm. But anyway, when I came back from San Diego that time with this... Uh, big ideas about how we in Petersburg should, you know, we could make this place look a lot better, this beautiful city. Mm -hmm. And um, then, so I was talking to my friends about it, and we, uh, several other people as, um, out the, outside of the arts and crafts group, and uh, we agreed we should form a, a group to try to spruce this place up. We have to remember, too, that the garbage was dumped out just um, just exactly where the uh, Outlook is now. Outlook Park, yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was dumped right there, and the tides would bring it back to town. <laughs> it wasn't unusual for people to find uh, <laughs> things that they had thrown on the garbage truck on their beach in front of their house. Can you imagine? On the next big tides. And on top of that, the uh, uh, man, wonderful man, who had the garbage business, there was not a net placed over the garbage on his truck. And so the his truck would be going downtown, the wind would be blowing papers off and things would slide <laughs> off. And so there, we needed some improvement. And uh, so we formed Petersburg Improvement Council. And uh, we struggled hard with a word that would be um, uh, so, uh, socially acceptable mm -hmm. and politically acceptable and all that. Well. It wasn't very long before we started making recommendations, and these recommendations were not really very welcomed, and it was, uh, we were fair game for the guys sitting at the uh, pastime cafe uh -huh. with their elbows on the counter and drinking coffee, and, and they loved to talk about the, what the women were doing in the CIC. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be a women's group. There were a couple guys that were brave enough to join us, uh -huh. but it was essentially a women's group. And... Um, uh, that was something. And then, of course, word would leak back to some of us whose husbands who had been there. Uh -huh. <laughs> all this. So we knew who our enemies were. One of them was on the city council. Uh -huh. Anyway, so that wasn't a help. So I, uh, anyway, the, that was how we, we, pers we persevered uh -huh. in our efforts. And the local doctor at that time, Dr. Smith, was a photographer, an amateur photographer. Mm -hmm. And um, we persuaded him to go around and take pictures of the dump, of various aspects of the beach, which were collecting the drift that was coming back to town, mm -hmm. and all the junk that was dumped off on the beach just because people didn't want to pack them out to the dump, and the things that aren't appropriate in it. Oh, a, a, a um, beach dump is not a good thing. Yeah. Anyway, and then, of course, these planks and assorted other and maybe buildings that had uh, fallen off mm -hmm. their hinges and uh, slid around and, and just gradually fallen down eyesores and, and traps for little kids, you know. Um, and we were uh, making requests to have uh, improvements by the city council. And they always, uh, I know that a lot of them recognized that there was need. Uh -huh. And we met, they met with some of our 
ideas, like for instance, the bulkhead over the uh, the south, the North Harbor, mm-hmm. the Old Harbor, and we had drawn plans uh, to improve this when the state came in and filled, uh-huh. and and made the uh, Harbor Way area there possible, and uh, uh, the, one of the councilmen said uh, I was among the three people who were there at the council meeting. Um, to represent our project and and try to promote it. And uh, one of the councilmen said, well, wouldn't we need to have lighting down there? And you know, I I thought sure there was lighting, but I couldn't swear to it. Later found out that he was on the lighting committee. He knew darn well there was lighting down there. But nobody was, nobody, another guy's on the council, none of them would say this, you know. It was really interesting. Well, that's the... Period things, you know. Uh-huh. But anyway, um, we accomplished many of the things. One of the really interesting things that the city council gave us to do was to uh, rid the city of rats. <laughs> not not necessarily the city, but the dump, and then also the city. Uh huh. Well, Ruth Sandvik stood up and said, "We will." And the rest of us were <laughs> silently thinking. Well, how Ow. are we going to do that? Uh-huh. Well, it turns out that there was a man named Lee something, uh, a fish and game guy from Wrangell. And um, uh, we consulted with him. He came over here and just and gave us a bunch of warfarin to, uh, oh, yeah, that's that was the time. Remember, this is in the 50s, late 50s. And um, so we distributed uh, warfarin to those who called and told us they'd like to have some because they had rats around their uh-huh. house. And um, uh, also deposited in different places at the dump. And you know, we got rid of the rats. You know, you think you get rid of rats, but we didn't see any more. Yeah. Well, with warfarin, I'm sure you didn't. <laughs> and we reported this to the city council, you can be sure. I can just, the city council probably thought they'd gotten rid of you for good. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, they thought they were pro- proposing something that would be preposterous and a little insulting. Oh, that is amazing. And Ruth Stanvik stands up and says, we will. So the Civic Improvements, um, P- Petersburg Improvements Committee, um, then where did the Arts Council come in to that? Okay, then, okay, we have to... Um, we had accomplished a lot of our goals in mm-hmm. CIC. Including and, uh, these rats. <laughs> and, said, and then so we were resting a little while. And uh, along came a time when the uh, United States um, created the National Council, National, uh, Council on the Arts. Mm-hmm. And shortly after that was begun, the National Council... Uh, enabled all the states, any state who applied for it, and mm-hmm. now all states have their local state arts local their state arts council. Uh-huh. And um, I was appointed to that by Governor Egan. And so it was. It's, that's a whole book in itself about how we got started and and uh, how we had experts coming from other places who had lots of experience mm-hmm. with large groups of of uh, uh, enablers in the arts. Advocates, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then it wasn't uh, but a year or two years before our state arts council then um, determined that local state arts councils should uh, be formed in Alaska. Mm-hmm. 
and of course, uh, all of those who were on the Art State Arts Council, their own communities got the first impact because they were there. But the arts director, when Roy Helms at that time, mm -hmm. uh, made visits to many of the communities, um, urging them to form community arts councils. Uh -huh. And so that was the beginning. And as best I can remember, that was about 79. Really? So I'm not sure if that's exactly right, but I think uh -huh. so. Interesting. And so the, the Arts Council and the Petersburg Arts and Crafts Guild coexisted for a time. Yes. Um, and the, the old gym, was that a dedicated space to the Arts Council? I remember the radio station was up there, too. Uh, we kind of got it by default. It was uh, uh, the new buildings had been built, and uh, the space that was up there was not being used and uh, so it was, we got uh, about two-thirds of it, and the, arts, and the radio got the other uh -huh. third. And um, uh, that was a wonderful space. We could, uh, uh, I and others, uh, conducted art classes there, uh, ceramics for me, and other things for other people. Mm -hmm. And it was a wonderful space because um, uh, we could just go up there and work any time, and you kept your place as neat as you wanted to. And uh, we had a wonderful kill. And uh, yeah, that was a wonderful, wonderful space. We, it was used almost exclusively for pottery. I know it could have been used for other things, but it was mostly for pottery. I took a weaving class up there one time. I think there was a floor loom possibly mm -hmm. in that space. And I'm not sure it belonged to the Arts and Crafts Guild, but there was a teacher that came from off the island one time and taught a weaving class. And, uh -huh. uh, you know, I remember that space, so it was a, a wonderful space. So tell me about your, your personal studio, then. When did you start your own ceramic studio? Well, we went back. We, when we came home from San Diego, mm -hmm. uh, I was determined I was going to somehow get set up. And uh, the basement of our house was a perfect place. We were living on Wrangell Avenue then. Mm -hmm. And we had been there for maybe 10 years prior to that. And uh, so I just started getting set up. I started working with this local clay, uh -huh. uh, which uh, was changed soon. I began ordering commercial clays because uh, that was uh, absolutely the best way to go. And I used local clay then for its iron content, for de for decorating ah, or washes. For slip, other for, clay. yeah, a rich, surface rich, application. Deep brown. Uh -huh. And... Um, uh, then, as I mentioned earlier, Elder bought a kill down south for me and brought it home on, on Lloyd Peterson's fishing boat on the Middleton. And uh, uh, we got set up. And, he, and then I hired uh, one of the Whitethorn guys to make me a homemade kill, a homemade uh, wheel. Oh. I had directions in a ceramics magazine uh -huh. for making homemade wheels. And I think it had a washing machine motor. I remember and as that it would style. Turn yeah. around, it would you would hear it go, kawish, 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 kawish. <laughs> 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 and uh, uh, of course, there were some a few, two or three years after that, I got a a, a Shimpo commercial wheel, mm -hmm. and it was a dream, just a dream. And uh, I, and then of course with the commercial kill, my I was off and running, uh -huh. and you could do. Uh, well, and then I interrupted things to have a baby. I had my youngest daughter went to Seattle for her birth, or rather Tacoma, 
And uh, when I came home, I was so determined that nothing was going to stop me from going ahead with this. And I remember I was giving my first class in this basement workshop, and uh, my, my little baby Anne started crying, and it was I knew she was hungry, so I went up and got her and brought her down, and I was nursing her as I was walking around talking to different uh, students about oh, their project. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, then we were there for another, oh, a long, t- well, let's see, we were there for quite a while more mm-hmm. before we built our, our house on, on Sandy Beach Road and uh-huh. built a proper studio. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So when was your first public art commission and where? My first public art commission was in the Fairbanks International Airport. That's a huge kudo. Yeah. Have you seen that piece? Uh-huh. Have you? Yeah. Well, uh, at any rate, uh, I was quite stunned. Uh, the, the, I had applied to... Now, the Arts Council was not doing those percent for art commissions. Mm. There was the state group that was doing that. Uh-huh. Uh, and um, but I was just stunned when I was uh, awarded that. It's a scene of of clouds in blue sky, and um, uh, since then it's been recited from the uh, international area where it, where it was seldom seen, and it was put in a place uh, at the top of the stairs where you go into different concourses. Mm-hmm. So it's in a very central area there, and I saw it. Um, about five years ago when I went to Fairbanks to install another piece, mm-hmm. and it was a chance to go and see how the first one had fared. Yeah. And I was so pleased to see it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And what year was that for Fairbanks? But, um, I have to think about that. It must have been about 84, uh-huh. I think. Wow. And it's, I learned in doing, I'd been making things, larger things out of smaller things, and the concept about creating larger and larger and larger larger things out of small pieces yeah. uh, really settled into my consciousness. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I realized I can do really big wall pieces mm-hmm. for public art uh, by just simply assembling smaller pieces together. Uh-huh. And uh, that means meant that my little kill. Oh, by then I also had a larger kill. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that was that was uh, the initiation right there. Uh huh. And you, at some point, you went to Great Britain to study tiles. Oh yes. And yeah. What what was that experience like? Well, How long were you in Great Britain? Uh, well, I made several trips. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Succeeding trips to study different aspects of it. And I was also working on a degree with oh. specialty in ceramics. Uh-huh. I had uh, assembled quite a few college credits, mm-hmm. but not enough for a degree. And uh, some in art, but not enough for a special... Uh, uh, yeah, anyway, so when I went to England one time to visit Anne, who was living there at the time, we visited some abbeys, old mm-hmm. abbeys, and I saw English, English medieval tile, and I was just charmed. They were made in the 1100s. Uh-huh. And uh, then we went to the British Museum in London, of course, and there was a special British medieval tile room, and it was an, a, an assemblage there of me, uh, medieval tiles made in different places in England, mm-hmm. in different cathedrals, 
at, at different times, but nearly all in the period of the 1100s. By the time the end of that century came, uh, the Italianate black and oh. white tiles, mm -hmm. the styles change in floor coverings, like they change yeah. in everything. <laughs> and uh, but they had there were many wonderful medieval tile patterns, and um, and they they covered the floors of these ancient uh, priories and uh, cathedrals, mm -hmm. and mainly they were left in the less less worn areas around the supporting posts. Mm -hmm. So always when you go in those places, you ignore the center. You look at the ceiling and the windows if they're left. Usually uh -huh. they weren't. This was the time of Henry VIII when he was... At the time of Henry VIII, he had the monasteries all destroyed. Oh. Oh, yeah, because he had spent too much money and he needed some money. Mm -hmm. And so... He dismantled all the, uh, because he was changing the religion of England also. And so these priories were past history. Mm -hmm. And uh, But I was enchanted with these old tiles. And um, uh, that led into a history of English tile making, mm -hmm. which preceded shortly after the Romans left, and after 400. And the Romans would not share their technology in making tiles. With the English. Oh. Yeah. And so the English people were still, the knowledge of the wheel was transported to England by the uh, monks who came from France, huh. where the English medieval tile patterns began to be uh, transported to England. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't long before the English people, when they began installing them in their cathedrals, they were using their own patterns then. Some of the patterns were stories of uh, uh, the monks and, and maybe people doing things. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes they were just simply patterns, uh, floral, uh, seldom rectangular, uh -huh. nearly always floral. And, um, and did you see Stonehenge when you were there? I know oh, yes. your, your artwork, about the time I came back to Petersburg, you were doing a series of paintings about stones and pastels yeah. of stones. Right. Um, and Stonehenge was, was one of the preceding places. But that, uh, what you're referring to, uh, the, the megaliths, mm -hmm. uh, I studied them as a separate matter uh -huh. because I became so interested in prehistory Yeah, and the uh, goddess religions. Mm -hmm and um, the history of the goddess. And um, uh, the, the goddess history doesn't precisely relate to all the, the uh, uh, erection of the, the stone monuments in circles or rows and um, um, Silbury Hill. Mm -hmm. All those places are ancient history. It's just fascinating to learn about them. And I w when I was there, I was mingling with people that were involved in excavations mm -hmm. and uh, uh, learning more about the plan that they, uh, the original plans, the foundations and stuff for these uh, mysterious places. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. the building of Stonehenge, which has more recently been um, refined. Mm -hmm. So you met... Um many, many people through your work on the State Arts Council. Um, I think about Cass Woodward. That, that's, a, that's how you met Cass, is it? Yes, it was. Mm -hmm. At that time, Cass was um, a curator for, I think, visual arts at the Alaska State Museum in Juneau. Mm -hmm. 
Well, one thing we haven't talked about and that I really want to touch on is uh, the local art that graces Petersburg that you've been responsible for not only designing and creating yourself, but also bringing other artists in to, to do. And uh, maybe you could do a little catalog for us of some of the, the work that's around. I know there's a piece on this very building, the municipal building. Um, so maybe just describe some of the projects that were done locally by you. Uh, first of all, we had, um, uh, I want to say that when I was on the Arts Council, I was a little, I was very green and learning everything. Uh, I was quite impressed with the people that were I was working with who were so patient with teaching me or giving me hints about things. And uh, the first thing was to apply for a grant for $2,000 for Fisk. Mm -hmm. Now, I had taken a sculpture class with Carson, talked to him about it, and uh, uh, he thought it was a great idea <laughs> for him to do it, and of course I did too. So I did go ahead and apply for, uh, I must have had a group with me because I wouldn't have done that alone. It must have been the Arts and Crafts Guild, mm -hmm. perhaps. Oh, it was the Arts Council, the local first Arts Council. That's what it was. Mm -hmm. And um, our first big project. And uh, it was approved, and uh, so Fisk was the first Arts Council project. Wow. I hadn't put that together for a long, long time. And um, uh, then uh, it seemed that we, walking in the rain a lot inspired me to think about the patterns that we walk on. Where our eyes are cast down a lot, mm -hmm. and that it would be nice to have a pa nice patterned surface to walk on. So I started thinking about that, and finally there was were some paving projects mm -hmm. and um, to the ferry terminal. And so I applied for that, and the councilman, uh, remember one said, oh, the ice will form up, it'll be too, too slippery. The de deliberate idea of the plan was to facilitate drainage mm -hmm. through all these little grooves. And um, so we had covered that in our design. Uh, Ethel Bergman said she would do, would do it with me. Well, that one was refused because that was a city project. And they, uh, I think it was a state project, all right. But the city were the ones who declined it. And, um, but then uh, another state project, and so we applied again through the Arts Council to the State Arts Council and got a grant for doing the design work for that. And uh, that was great fun, collaborating with Ethel on that. Yeah. And um, uh, so that made a difference in town. And is that that little drawing that's up in my work, the little drawing of the sidewalks with all the designs? Is that where that drawing came from, was yes. you and Ethel? Yes. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. I'll and have then, to ask you about where that is. Oh, it's up on my wall at, at my day job. All right. Yeah. I'll vi be visiting you soon. Which is your J-Dog? Oh, at the City of Petersburg uh, Community Development Department in the Mapping Department. Yes, I am the Fun place. <laughs> so then there's, uh, there's other concrete impressions around town. Yes, there. well, and I pursued that on my own. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was at a time when um, uh, we were out, of, out without a city manager and the acting city clerk at that time uh, approved it. And uh, she was her very harassed by all the things she had to do in the absence of a, as an acting city manager, mm -hmm. and without then a city clerk too. You know she was. Anyway, she approved it, and uh, 
So that was accomplished. And uh, uh, then uh, also the city of Petersburg wanted to have uh, a piece of art on the existing building. Mm -hmm. And so I submitted a proposal for that and got it. And that was for Seasong, which is on the building now. Mm -hmm. And it's a concrete uh, relief, bar relief art. And uh, it uh, has suffered from uh, weather. Mm -hmm. And uh, now, uh, after doing some research, uh, we found some, a kind of concrete sealant that we hope to apply this spring. And it goes, it penetrates into the concrete so that the concrete does not get wet and swell mm -hmm. and crack. So we're hoping that that will be a good restoration thing this spring. Yeah. Um, and so did you fabricate that piece yourself? I worked, no, I worked with uh, uh, Bushman. No kidding. Yeah. Ah. Ron? Ron, Ron Bushman? Ron, mm -hmm. And I called him. I would, um, I did a lot of work up there with him in forming things in his workshop. Mm -hmm at that time, and I used to call him the Nureyev of the bandsaw, where he'd be cutting out these big pieces. Uh, and uh, anyway, wonderful. he was wonderful to work with. Yeah. And then weren't you in instrumental in getting Linda Larson's paintings for the city council? Well, that again was another arts council project. Mm -hmm. But yes, I did know about Linda, and she submitted a proposal. Mm -hmm. I think I submitted a proposal, too. And there might have been others I've forgotten now. Mm -hmm. But Linda's one, and I'm very glad it did. Yeah. She came and made a presentation, made a wonderful that. speech about art in such a place. Uh -huh. and, yeah. yeah, art in such a place. Um, I know you have a philosophy about that, and I, I, I would love it if you'd just talk a little bit about the importance of art in a community and in a, in a life. Well, thank you for that wonderful question. It's uh, dear to my heart. Uh, I feel... Uh, as do many others, uh, that uh, art is intrinsic to our lives and um, it makes us better people, uh, especially if we have something to do with installing the art, whether it's uh, choosing it or just simply supporting it as a community member. Um, artists need a lot of support and public art needs a lot of support. It does things to us. If we live in a community that is uh, healthy and beautiful, I'm convinced we are better people. We live better together. We make, uh, we're better neighbors. Uh, we see that our children grow better. And we just care more about our lives and all the creatures that, that share our world. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, <laughs> I do feel strongly that way. Uh huh. Well, I think about your own environment at your house, and I always love to go out to your house. Uh, not only do you have a wonderful view, but the the way you've addressed your own personal landscape, uh, it's such a, a gentling of nature, uh, such a welcoming in of nature, but refining it. Uh, it's just I love to go to your house and see the the placement of things in nature that, uh, that are that they could almost be done by Mother Nature herself, but you know that it has the touch of Polly. Well, that is a super compliment. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's also the easiest way to landscape. <laughs> but it depends on what you start with. If you start with a place that is close to mm -hmm. uh, the woods, and the, and the water, and just if it's, or trees, lots of trees, before, it's not so hard to make something, be inspired by it and modify it. 
Yeah, I think it would be the absolutely the the pits, the bottom, to have to landscape, have to surround your house when you go in uh, very heavily populated places in uh, cities. Maybe anywhere in our country, but I'm thinking especially in England and France, uh, where sometimes the front yards are, are two by five feet, mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes they're so t- carefully tended. You know that people have their heart in that two by five feet. Yeah. 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 And everywhere I go, I look, um, I can't help. Uh, the things that I see that impress me are how people have treated their urban environment, uh, their, their natural, the big environment, or their home environment. And uh, it doesn't have to be fancy to please me. It just has to look natural and um, comfy and uh, colors that suit, mm-hmm. colors, nice harmonizing colors that suit a home and, and your lifestyle. Well, I want to thank you, Polly, for the, uh, for the friend that you've been to me and for your um, leading me along with, uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes I'm very reluctant to get involved, but you have a wonderful way of, uh, of goading me. <laughs> <laughs> In a loving way to, and I've always been um, really thrilled with the projects that we have pulled off together. And I want to thank you for that, and just uh, hope that we see uh, many more days and and years of adventures together. And thanks for letting me interview you today. And thank you, Susan. You did a good job. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. This has been Homegrown Conversations, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. And what just finished was a interview done in 2010 for the Petersburg Public Library's Listening Project. And it was an interview between Susan Christensen and Polly Lee discussing Polly's um, art career. I decided to play this today in honor of the display that Polly Lee currently has at the Petersburg Public Library. It is titled Stoneware Pots by Polly Lee, 1955 to 2005. So please stop by and see that. It will be on display from November 2nd through November 22nd at the Petersburg Public Library. So 50 years of Polly Lee's ceramic works on display.